Hey, and welcome to Biased Broadway. Uh, for those of you who have been here before, welcome back. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome. Uh, my name's Kelly. I'm 30 years old. And the whole premise of this podcast is basically that I'm just going to give you my biased reviews of Broadway shows. So today I am still riding high on Disney vibes. I had a very Disney February kind of coincidentally. I mean, I, I, I just got back from Disney, so that was obviously like planned and on purpose, but um, kind of coincidentally, I, I had some other uh, Disney-related stuff that happened in, in February, one of which was I went to the Mickey True Original exhibition, which was a celebration of his 90th birthday. It was only running from November to February. There's like a ton of pictures actually on, on Instagram if you want to check it out. I posted some and then also people have been hashtagging it obviously um, so if you want to like scroll through and kind of like get an idea of what the experience was like that's kind of cool. Broadway related I actually wound up going to see Frozen with two of my friends during Broadway week. I did take advantage of that 50% off that I had been toting to you guys and went with uh, two of my friends to go see Frozen on Broadway which brings me back to my my original point, full circle here, that I'm going to be talking about Disney Broadway today. So they currently have three shows running on Broadway, which are The Lion King, Aladdin, and Frozen. But I do also want to um, touch on a couple of past Disney Broadway shows. I'm going to definitely focus on Lion King, Aladdin, and Frozen since they're the currently running shows that people can go see right now. So that's the most relevant and um, helpful thing that I could be reviewing. But I am going to talk a little bit about previous Disney Broadway iterations just, just because I feel like as a whole, I kind of want to talk about Disney theatrical. Before I jump into that, I just wanted to do one quick housekeeping thing from uh, the previous episode. I wasn't sure if they were puppets or Muppets. They are classified as puppets. No one besides me probably was like concerned about that, but it like bugged me that I didn't know the answer and I wanted to come back and like circle back and give you that answer. So Avenue Q features puppets. There's still time to go see it. Closes April 28th. And now we're going to dive into our Disney theatrical group discussion. I'm definitely biased. I love Disney. If my little like beginning ramble is any indication, like clearly I just had like a whole bunch of Disney stuff that I did this past month. One of which is was going to Disney for the umpteenth time. Like honestly, I just, I absolutely adore it. It's one of the most magical, wonderful places in the world. I feel like Disney on Broadway, you kind of get a little bit of that magic but like here where I live. So it's, it's, it's nice. It's like a little, a little quick fix, I guess, of, of Disney. You get that wonderful magic that really, I feel like no one does better. Disney is, is in a league of their own. Disney theatrical group, as I previously mentioned, does have three current running shows on Broadway. The Lion King being um, the oldest of those three current running shows. It is in fact now the third longest running show on Broadway, just behind Chicago and Phantom, Phantom being the longest running, Chicago the second longest running. If anyone has seen it, it is one of the longest running shows for a reason. The Lion King is a breathtaking experience. Before I go any further, I just want to like as a disclaimer say like typically I would give a little synopsis of all of, of the shows that I'm talking about, but 
In this episode, I'm not really going to give any sort of synopsis of the shows since I feel like they're based on Disney movies that are really known and really beloved. So I don't feel like giving a synopsis of them is really necessary. I feel like everyone knows what The Lion King is about. And I feel like everyone knows what Aladdin is about. Like maybe to a lesser extent, everyone knows what Frozen is about since it is a more recent movie. But I kind of don't want to like get too like into the nitty gritty of of, like spending time on synopsises for stuff that I feel like everyone kind of knows what they're about. So with that said, The Lion King obviously based on the the Disney animated movie, is one of these things where I don't think anyone expected it to be what it is. Except maybe my dad. My dad is like, I feel like he must be where I get this from because he was one of those people that would like listen to what shows were playing in Chicago and like hear the buzz about what was going to be big. He bought tickets for The Lion King before it transferred to Broadway and once it transferred no one could get tickets like it, it it was the Hamilton of its time at least that's my memory of it like I I was a kid so I guess it's possible that I'm misremembering this this information but I feel fairly confident that this is a true fact and not like a I made it up in my child brain so um we actually wound up seeing the Lion King like I don't remember if it was during previews or if it was just after it had opened but it was it was early in its run it was right when it opened And so I just, I have this vivid, vivid memory of getting to the theater and, you know, that opening number circle of life starts and the, the animals come out and being blown away. Like you, we, I didn't know what to expect. Like I was like, yeah, okay. You know, like some actors up there in like some costumes and whatever, but like these people are incredible actors, incredible puppeteers. Like they've got the the movement that that they embody like it it's it doesn't feel like you're looking at animals because you can tell that they're they're people but it's just this breathtaking moment of oh my god this is what live theater is about and I will never forget this vivid memory of Circle of Life starting the number like the opening number seeing these animals for the first time and my mom just starts weeping like just just openly crying in the theater because it was so beautiful and I don't know about you but I've definitely had experiences in my life where like something was just so beautiful that I just cried like it was just I think a lot of people equate crying to being sad but it's it's I'm talking about crying because it was so beautiful and moving that there was no other way to express how joyous you felt then your body just leaking that like your body can't handle it like it's almost just like I can't physically believe how moved I am I just need to push wetness out of my eyeballs and and I feel like the whole show is like that I I've seen it three times however I saw it all three times prior to the age of 16 and I am now 30. So I have not seen The Lion King in 14 years, and I'm desperate to go back. I definitely want to go see it again, like as an adult, and see that knowing what I know now (laughs) as an adult and as a theater nerd. The best way to explain this is I went to see Disney on Ice last year and the year before 
with one of my friends. And it's one of those things where you're like, okay, like you as a grown ass woman went to see Disney on ice, like without a small child. Yes, I did. And I had an incredible time and I cried at how beautiful it was. And do you want to know why? Because as an adult, you have an appreciation for things and the skill level that things take that as a child, you do not have. As a child, you're like, oh my God, the princesses are there. As an adult, you're like, holy shit, that woman is ice skating and dancing and then silk ribbons fall from the sky and she grabs them and is climbing around in them with her ice skates how she doesn't impale herself on a daily basis i will never know so like the just and even just like the 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 characters that are non-humanoid the fact that they're skating around and you're like holy shit, I know the level of skill that it takes to ice skate, let alone to figure skate, let alone to do it with the uh, top heavy clothing, we'll say, that they are wearing. Lumiere out there, okay, and he's just, he's kind of top heavy and that's a little dangerous and that scares me, but in like also mystified and wonderful. Like it, it's crazy. So that's how I also feel about going to see bro shows as, as an adult sometimes where I'm just like, I know how some of this magic is made and yet it doesn't lessen it, it actually makes it better. In Aladdin, there's this moment where, again, I'm not gonna give you the synopsis, I just assume everyone knows what's going on with Aladdin, um, where uh, there's the, the Prince Ali parade, where Aladdin is coming out as Prince Ali to show up at Jasmine's door and just be like, yo, I'm here, my name's Prince Ali, this is my entourage, I'm awesome. and. In an animated movie, obviously, they can just animate all of the things that they're singing about, but on stage, they, they can't do that. Like, they can't just have an entire parade's worth of actors sitting around for this one scene. That's insane. The way that they pull this off, I guess this is kind of spoilery, but I, I really don't feel like it is at all. Like, this is just a marvel of casting and genius and choreography, and... I think it adds an incredible, yes, these people are geniuses and they are masters at their craft level to things rather than like taking away the magic of it. So I'm just going to tell you, and I, we're all adults here, I assume, I hope, because I cuss a little bit. So there's this parade and there are, I don't know the exact numbers, I could probably pull out my playbill and find out for sure, but I'm just going to give you like estimated math there's probably five women in the ensemble and five men in the ensemble we're gonna go with those numbers because it makes life easy for me so there's 10 ensemble members split in half half men half women and they're like the unsung heroes of most shows because they're out there doing a multitude of parts and crazy choreography and ensembles don't get enough love but that's a whole nother thing so there's 10 people in this ensemble and it's parade of hundreds. And so the what the way that they handle this and make it feel like there's hundreds of people in this parade when it's really this, it, 10 people is they have them come out in groups. So they'll be like the first, we'll call them groups A and B for ease sake. So group A will come out and it'll be like half girls, half guys. So there's like five people out there in a mix of genders. And they're all wearing, I, I feel like I, I'm singing the song in my head trying to think of the, the exact like parts of the parade. So he's got white Persian monkeys that I know for a fact. So these people come out wearing these outfits and carrying like, you know, some display of a monkey. 
And then as they parade out, they come from the back of the stage and then turn into like the top wings to parade out. Once they like hit the end of, like once they, they leave the stage and they're back in the wings, then group B comes out and they're the next portion of the parade. While group B is on the stage, group A is quick changing into a new parade participant. They are no longer monkeys, they are now elephants. And they have changed and they are running to the back of the stage again so that now while group B is going off into the wings, group A comes back as a different group of people. So it gives you this idea that there are multitudes of people, but in fact, it's like 10 people doing crazy quick changes over and over and over and over again to give you this amazing magical experience. And as, as a person who, who knows that, I'm sitting there going, yes, you are nailing it, you are hitting your marks, you are making magic, and it is glorious. And I live for it. That kind of just like mastery is, oh, I love it, I love it so much. Bringing to life something magical and how, how they handle that. And speaking of magic, I also really liked how it, now we're going to jump over to Frozen for a second. I loved how they handled the magic. I don't want to tell you how they handled the magic because I literally gasped multiple times while watching the show when specific things happened. Cause I was expect, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not any sort of professional in any capacity. So like, I don't really know how they, they're going to handle certain things, but I kind of have seen enough Broadway shows to kind of know what some of the tricks are. Like I kind of know like, okay, this particular trapdoor is a thing that exists. And like this particular effect is a thing that exists. And so like they might do this or they might do that. There were moments I literally gasped because I did not expect them to do what they did. And it made me so happy. Like the fact that I could be surprised by the magic made it feel like magic. And so I really want to applaud whoever did the snow and ice effects in Frozen on Broadway, because honestly, it was wonderful. I think another thing that it, it I had been go, I had gone into the show with my friend and we had been talking about how she had just seen Anastasia and I had seen it, uh, I guess it was over, it was over a year ago now, but we were talking about how they, they used a lot of screens and projections to, to express things rather than practical effects. And it works well in some capacities and it doesn't work well in other capacities. And we kind of felt like, eh, I would have rather they build a physical thing or just leave it to the imagination. Like the screen almost made it feel like a cop out. Like it was, it was, you're kind of like, oh, look, here's a, the city. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love it. And my friend didn't love it either. We were both kind of like underwhelmed by their choice of set, shall we say. I think partly too, she had said they had also just seen My Fair Lady, which has this incredible practical set that like rotates and is stunning. And so the juxtaposition for her was really off. She was just kind of like, Ooh, they have this gorgeous, stunning set at My Fair Lady. And then we went to Anastasia and it was like, Hey, here's a screen that's displaying the outside world. And it was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. I'd rather a minimalist set than the screen in this particular case. So 
I kind of went into Frozen having had that conversation and I was expecting like a lot of, okay, there's going to be magic. So there's just going to be like a bunch of screens everywhere and it's going to be, you know, what it is. There was a lot of practical effects. There was a crazy amount of practical effects and it made me so happy. I loved it because that just adds a texture to it that you don't get with the, with the screens, which is not to say that like projections and screens are bad. Like they're not like they're, they're, when I saw the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, there's like no set. It's, it's a lot of screen and projection and that was incredible and impeccably done and used and utilized so intelligently. I think that's what it is. I think I just, I want it utilized in an intelligent way. I want it to be, I want it to add something. I don't want it to just kind of be like, well, we just like threw this up here. Not to say that that's what they're doing in Anastasia. Like, I'm sure there was a lot of thought that like, I don't know that went into, into that. Like I, I'm not a set designer. So, but again, bias Broadway, this is my opinion. I I'm, I'm probably not right. I'm sure someone is out there saying like, you're a hundred percent wrong. There's so many reasons why they did this, that, and the other thing. And like, why, you know, there's reasons for everything. Some of it's probably money. Some of it's like, you know, we can't afford like our budget won't let us build the practical thing. Like that's part of it too. Like Disney's got hella money so they can build some stuff. They're not like worried about it. They're kind of like, yeah, okay, let's like, we're going to get people to come see the show because it's Disney and people love Disney. So like, let's throw some money at it. Like, I don't think that they're ever like worried about whether or not their show is going to do well. They know that they're going to recoup their money. Like I, maybe I'm wrong. Like I, but I, I can't think, I think even Tarzan recouped its money and I didn't even see that one but I, I, I could be wrong I think I may have seen all the Disney theatrical performances with the exception of Tarzan Beauty and the Beast was my first Broadway show I definitely saw it multiple times I don't remember the first time I saw it because I was very tiny um, but my parents told me that it was my first show um I, I vaguely remember being scared of the wolves. The wolves freaked me out. I would really, really love for Beauty and the Beast to come back because it, it closed before I feel like I really could appreciate it. I like, I loved it. Like I remember, I like have a visceral feeling inside me of like really loving it, but I don't really remember it that well. Um, I just remember going. I remember going. I remember liking it. I have this like feeling inside of like having a good time, but I can't really remember the staging or remember the choreography. But yeah, with the exception of Tarzan, I feel like I've seen them all because Beauty and the Beast, I know I saw. And um, I after Beauty and the Beast left that particular theater, I know that I saw The Little Mermaid there right before it closed because The Little Mermaid is my favorite Disney movie is The Little Mermaid. I love Ariel. Just She's just this free spirit and I just connect with her and I love her and she's wonderful. I, I didn't love the show. I feel like it didn't really add anything to the story. It didn't do anything particularly new or exciting for me. Uh, the roller skating thing was kind of weird. Like I see what they were trying to do there and they took a risk and I a hundred percent love when things take risks. Like I'm, I, I don't want to see the same show 12 times. Like I, I love seeing things that take risks and try things and, and, uh, sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not going to work. And I'm, I don't think that 
if it doesn't work, that means you should stop trying. I think it just means that particular thing didn't work and it was a solid attempt and learn and move on and to the next attempt. I didn't feel like that particular risk for that particular show paid off. It just kind of felt weird and like kitschy. Like it just felt like they were trying to be playful and not actually just being playful, if that makes sense. Maybe part of it too is just when that show existed in my personal timeline. Um, you know, Beauty and the Beast came out when I was a kid, so I have this wonderful nostalgia around it. Um, you know, Lion King came out when I when I was a kid and, and is just incredible, so I have this nostalgia mixed with this like wonder and awe. Um, Aladdin came out while I was an adult and I had, I was able to have this like real appreciation of it as an art form and as an entertainment form and, and Little Mermaid came out while I was in high school. And so like I was too old for it to be something that I look back on with nostalgia, but too young to really be an adult that like wasn't jaded about stuff like I'm not saying I was a jaded teenager I don't think I was I feel like I was a decently mature teenager but like I was still a teenager so I think we as teenagers tend to judge things more harshly and kind of tend to be kind of like this is cool or this isn't cool or like whatever about it I don't know and I, I think it's kind of telling that I listen to a ton of Broadway music. Like it's pretty much always on my iPod. It's either Broadway music or Disney music or both very, very frequently. And the cast recordings that tend to get a lot of play are like things that I really enjoy. It's never the Little Mermaid. Like I, I own that cast recording. I've definitely listened to it at least once. I don't ever really have a feeling of like, you know what I'm really in the mood for today? The Little Mermaid Broadway cast reporting. That's my jam today. Not usually. Lion King? Yes. Aladdin? Definitely. Not The Little Mermaid. Sorry. And like, I think part of it too is just like, because it was my favorite Disney movie, I was expecting so much. I was like, yes, this is it. Little Mermaid time. Woo. And then it was kind of like, all right, it was fine. Like, mm. It's not that they didn't cast amazing people because I love the people that are on that cast recording. So it has nothing to do with the talent. It has, it has everything to do with just like me feeling like it's like, all right, this is like not re-listenable to me. Like this is just like, okay, like this was good. Like I'm not saying I had a bad time. Like I had a really good time seeing the show, but it's not something that I feel like I, I tend to get a lot of re-listen to. Like I don't put this, the cast recording on and like sit there and like picture the the staging or the choreography and I definitely do with other shows. So that's, that's kind of a, a, a good baseline for me of like how I feel about a show. Cause I don't think I've, with the exception of book of Mormon and an off Broadway show called Potter or something potted Potter. I don't think I've ever very infrequently. It's those two shows that I can think of where I left a theater. Like I didn't care for that. That wasn't good. I would not recommend. Mm -mm didn't like um everything else it's more like I leave the theater and I'm like that was a great theater experience and then the longer I sit with it the more I'm like well it was fine it was okay I I wouldn't go again I wouldn't go again that's really my hallmark of like whether I liked a thing whether or not I would go again 
If I'm like raring to go again, I loved it. If I see it four times in one year, it's my favorite thing in the world. Yes, I've done that. I did go see a show four times in one year. It was Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812. My friends are sick of hearing me talk about this show because I talked about it nonstop because I was in love with it and I am still in love with it and I'm still sad that it's closed. Don't get me started. I got me started and I should have not gotten myself started. So yeah, like looking back when I'm sitting with stuff, it tends to be like, I can tell what I liked versus what I didn't like based on how frequently I want to go back and how frequently I listen to it and put that in my ear holes. Frozen for me was a really fun show. I thought, like I mentioned earlier, that they did an amazing job with practical effects. It really blew me away. Um, I'm going to get, I guess, like slightly harsh here in that I when it was announced and still to this day and having seen the show agree with my original assessment, I do not think Patty Murin was an appropriate choice for Anna. I'm sorry if that's harsh. I'm not saying she's a bad actress. She, as an actress, she was great in the show. I'm not saying she has a bad voice. I'm saying she does not have the right voice for Anna. It was distracting to me. I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like a terrible person saying it, but like, I can't sit here and just like give glowing reviews of everything. I feel like I have to be able to, to be truthful and I don't want people just be like, okay, cool. She likes everything. I, 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 I did not care for her casting choice. I felt like she doesn't have the correct vocal style and range for the part. And the reason I say that is because we already know, like, we already have a vo- vo- vocal style for the part. She's not creating the part of Anna. Like, she's creating the Broadway part of Anna, but Anna exists in people's heads. And I think especially because it's a, sh- a, a movie that is so beloved, people have a very strong, visceral feeling and memory and attachment to the original voices. So you have to be very careful in the casting and kind of cast someone with a, a similar a similar tone and and texture's not the right word I'm looking for, but like a, a, a similar style to their voice, I think, or, or you're going to get people like me who are sitting there going, her range is not right. I, it's obvious that they changed the key for this song for her. She's, it's just weird. Uh, it, it was distracting to me. That's the only way I can explain it. It was distracting to me. Like I was sitting there saying like, you are not singing this song correctly which is not what I want to be thinking while I'm watching a show. I want to just be enjoying it. Casey, on the other hand, I'm going to, I don't remember how to pronounce her last name. Levy, Levy, not a hundred percent sure, but C-A-I-S-S-I-E-L-E-V-Y. She, as soon as they cast her as Elsa, I have to text my friend and ask her, because it's been years now, but I feel like as soon as they announced that there was going to be a Frozen on Broadway, we started having conversations about who we wanted to play each part. And I feel like I said, I want Casey to play Elsa. She's perfect. If I didn't say that, I 100% said that after they cast her. And I was like, she's perfect. I have loved her since I saw Hair. After Hair, I saw her in Murder Ballad off-Broadway. And then I saw her play Fatine in the newest iteration of Les Mis a couple of years ago. I think her voice is insane. She has 
the most amazing belt. I, I love a lot of actresses. I have a lot of love for a lot of actresses, but I, I'm gonna, with a bold statement right here, I'm gonna say her belt is my favorite. My favorite belt of all of the Broadway belting actresses out there. I am obsessed with her voice. She's incredible. And sadly, when I went to see the show, I saw her understudy, but not sadly because her understudy was incredible and she blew me away. Like I saw the little slip of paper in the program and like got slightly excited that perhaps I was seeing Patty Murin's understudy and then saw that I was seeing Casey's and I was kind of like, oh, I love her and I wanted to see her in this part. But then her understudy came out and opened her mouth and I forgot that I was even sad. Like she was... She blew me away, gave me chills during Let It Go, was like, all right, I'm on board. Sorry, sister, I shouldn't have doubted you. You're incredible. Um, which, speaking of, this is one of those moments where it was kind of funny. I sat down in the theater, and like, no sooner did my butt touch the seat than I was like, they're ending act one with Let It Go. Like, I just psychically knew. Like, I was like, thinking about it. I was like, oh, okay, like, what's a good act break? And I was like, oh, duh, they're ending with Let It Go because everyone's gonna go apeshit. And so there's nothing to be done after that productively on stage. They have to take a 15 minute break, which funnily enough, then at intermission, um, I like turned to my friend and I'm like grinning from ear to ear because Let It Go is incredible and like cool practical magic happened on stage. And I just was like, I knew they were going to end act one with that. And my friend was like, me too. I knew it as soon as we sat down. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was a great choice. Um, and then another thing that I thought was a great choice, but also kind of a weird, like, I, I, I don't know how to talk about this without, I guess, just like talking about it. So I don't want to spoil anything. So I'm not going to give too much away, but there is this character in the movie that is, I'm going to venture to say my favorite character in the movie, which is like a really bold thing to say because I feel like Princess Anna and I are the same person and I just love her to death. And like, how can you not love Elsa? And how can you not love Kristoff? And then Sven is freaking adorable. Like, I, I love them all. But like, gonna go out on a limb and say this is my favorite character. And if I feel like I'm not alone in my love of this particular character. And they ended act one having kind of, missed his part of the movie like they ended act one and like the part of the movie that he exists in had already happened and so I I kind of like dejectedly was like oh we're not gonna see you know my the, the character we're not he's not gonna be yeah it's fine okay that like makes sense I guess like they had to move it along they had to make some changes like I get it and then all of a sudden as if they heard me and my sadness the 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 set reveals this character's location and that was like the background waiting up on the stage for act two to start and I'm like oh my god there it is we're gonna get to see this person and then next thing I know my my friend points and she's like isn't that the character just like wandering through the audience over there and I was like holy shit it is so they start act two with this particular character having a musical number which as someone who loves this character I loved, I thought it was really fun and I enjoyed the song and it brings me joy. But at the same time, it was, in my opinion, 100% fan service. Like this number was unnecessary, did not move the plot, is not from the movie, like literally just like thrown at the beginning of act two 
really for no reason other than to let this character have a shining moment because this character is cool and everyone loves him. And in the movie, he doesn't really have like a ton that he does. So there's this giant musical number to start act two that, that this character gets to sing and a hundred percent fan service, a hundred percent unnecessary, a hundred percent loved it anyway. Like there was no reason for this song to exist. There was no reason to spend this time on it besides like, I guess wanting to drag the show out a bit longer to make it more than just like the, the length of the animated movie. But also every time it comes on, on my iPod, it, I like, feel happy and it brings me joy so you know what it, it I think it did what it needed to do it brought joy to people I think a lot of people that are going to Frozen are bringing their children I bet their children freaking loved it because it was really funny and fun so I think it's doing what it needs to do as as a service to the show like it's servicing the show really well but also as 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 a person looking at it with a critical eye I'm like cool, that was a totally unnecessary scene. A lot of the stuff that happened in that scene was like borderline weird. Like, I'm not sure why it was happening. And I question a lot of the choices, but also it was fun. So like, I'm cool with it. Yeah, so <laughs> Frozen was great and I really enjoyed it, but also it's it's on the bottom of my list of favorite Disney Broadway shows, mostly just because I feel like there was some of that just like fan service in it and and kind of like some stuff that was like, well, this feels unnecessary. Um, and, and and they just didn't do as good a job as like Lion King or Aladdin does with transporting and elevating the show without feeling like they're doing it just to do it, which is going to have me circle back to... Aladdin because I didn't really touch on this at all. I was lucky enough to see Aladdin with the original Tony winning James Monroe Iglehart playing the genie. We saw it before the Tonys like we we saw it like right after it opened. It was the first and I'm gonna say only time with the exception of when I went to see a show on its closing on its closing night which obviously like that's like a totally bizarre like different situation because dur during the show's closing night like everyone got like a standing ovation for everything because the show's closing and everyone that's in that audience is there just to basically say goodbye so that's I'm not really counting that as the same thing it was the only time I ever saw an audience give a standing ovation in the middle of a show I don't know if I will ever experience that again he comes out and performs Friend Like Me and I'm grinning from ear to ear and I'm clapping my hands off and it was incredible and I was just like, this is a showstopper. This is ridiculous. This is giving me all of the vibes that Robin Williams gives me in the, in the movie while still being its own unique thing and his own unique take on the genie. There was at no point during the show that I felt like he was like, I was like, oh, well, you know, he's just doing a Robin Williams impersonation. Never, not at all. I would never, ever say that. He was doing the James Monroe Iglehart thing and it was working. Everything about it was wonderful. I, he finished his friend like me and people were clapping their hands off and, and just, just rose to their feet. And the, the show could not go on for like another like minute and a half because people were just applauding their hands off. And 
this must not have been an isolated incident. This must be something that has happened. Like, I can't imagine I'm the only person who happened to be at a performance of Aladdin where he got a standing ovation, because that seems like a bizarre situation if it happened just the once. Like, I'm not sure how that would play out. It must happen have happened to him multiple times over the course of that run. But they they knew. They, like, paused. They were like, let him soak it in. Have this moment. And then kind of vamped so everyone knew it was like, okay, we're done with this ovation. Please sit back down and let the show continue. But I I have seen it since he left, and the it the caliber is still amazing. The the performers that have replaced him are still incredible. I mean, they're not getting standing ovations, but that that's I think that's a rare experience. I think that's something that probably I will never experience again. Like I I can't imagine that happening at another show. I, I went to see Hamilton and no one stood in the middle of the show. You know, like people waited till the end. But I mean, I also didn't see like the original cast. So maybe that was happening for them. I'm not really sure. Maybe I will see it again. Maybe it's not that weird. But it was something that like was an experience. To summarize, I feel like if you can get tickets to Lion King, you absolutely should. It is an incredibly moving and beautiful show. It is something that I think if you like Broadway you should experience because it is honestly unlike anything I have seen. It's its its own unique take on things and it's stunning. I feel like if you like Disney, you'll like it because it's a classic Disney show. I mean, it's a classic trope. It's Hamlet. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry if I like, you know, blew your mind just now. But yeah, The Lion King is Hamlet. So it's a classic. It's literally a classic. It's Shakespeare. It, it's definitely... An experience and I, I definitely want to go back and then then there's Aladdin which I feel like is it's not doing anything as beautiful and innovative as the Lion King is but it is taking the Aladdin movie that everyone loves and it is elevating it I do feel like it gives it something extra um, I really appreciate that they added in these friend characters for Aladdin which are actually from the original Aladdin script and they wound up getting cut because they just felt like it didn't work in the movie format but in the show it works incredibly and it kind of adds this layer of like well of course he has friends like what kind of person is like out there on his own with no friends like that's kind of sad so like it, it, it adds this layer of like yes he's got these friends like this is great like he's this dude who's hanging out and he's cool and he's nice and like of why wouldn't he have friends of course he has friends so like I, I kind of like that it adds a little more realness to it and it adds that live nature to it that you don't necessarily get from an animated movie because they don't they don't need to sell you on the characters whereas on stage they have to sell you on the characters a bit more because like they're tangible and you're seeing them if that makes sense like I feel like they had to do the same thing when they made the live action Beauty and the Beast movie where they had to kind of add a little bit of of background information about some stuff that they don't need to put in the animated movie because it's animated you just let it happen whereas with the live action you kind of ask a few more questions because you're like what's going on with these people I'm looking at um so I think Aladdin does a really good job of of taking those I don't want to call them plot holes because I don't feel like they're plot holes but taking those like bigger spaces of or bigger breaths in the movie that don't really get touched upon and and fleshing them out quite literally because they're fleshing them out into these these human being characters that are, are friends with Aladdin. And then for Frozen, I feel like 
there there was kind of a question that I had where I thought it was a little odd that in some of the songs from the movie they changed some lyrics for what felt like no reason. I'm sure there was a logical reason behind it. Not 100% sure what it was. Partly I wonder if it was just so that they could kind of dissuade people from singing along. Thank God at my performance, no one in the audience, at least near us, was singing along because that's one of my big pet peeves. At concerts too, I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't pay to hear you sing. Like, I also know the words, but I want to hear the performer sing it. I don't want to hear me sing it. I want to hear them sing it. So I, I don't know if that's like a rude thing to say, but that's my feelings on that. I also didn't, didn't yet talk about this, but Sven stunned me. Absolutely floored me. Audible gasp came out of me when Sven came on the stage for the first time. It was, I, I didn't expect it. And yet I should have, because I'd seen promotional pictures where Sven was in them. So like, I should have known what I was going to see because I had seen it already. But, but something about the act of seeing him move and physically being in the room was wonderful. Like there is a, the talent of this person to do things with their body that sounded dirty, but it was not intended to be like, has to be in, in some sort of position to, to look like a reindeer that I, I can't even wrap my brain around. The idea that his job is to be in that position, looking like a reindeer and acting like one and, and moving like one. I'm like that, he must have back problems, but he looked incredible, loved it. And I just, overall, it, it was one of the weaker Broadway shows done by Disney, but that's not to say it was bad. Just because it was the weaker of the Disney theatrical shows, Disney theatrical shows are still great. Like they're still stronger than a lot of other stuff out there. So to say, I don't want to say it was bad. I really enjoyed it. I had a really good time. I would go again. I definitely would. Would I go again soon? Maybe not. I'd probably wait a little bit. I have a few other things I'd rather go see or go see again than that. That's that's further down my list. But I did really enjoy it. I really did have a good experience. Yeah, to, so to sum it up, those are the three shows that are currently playing. And weirdly, I feel like I rank them in order that they came out and order that I love them. I have 100% been listening to Frozen kind of nonstop right now because I just saw it. And the, the new song Monster, oh, yes. Like any, all the new songs that Casey gets to sing, I'm just like, here for it, girl. So Monster especially, I'm all over that. And then also um, Dangerous to Dream is, oh man, that one is on repeat in my house. I hope that you guys enjoyed this Disney theatrical little summary. Thank you for sticking along with me. I know this was an epi uh, a longer episode than I normally do. I usually like to keep it around 20 minutes and this one has gone on a bit longer than that, but I really appreciate you listening and I really hope that you loved to hear me talking about the Disney theatrical Broadway shows that are going on right now and a couple that have uh, already closed. If you have any Disney Broadway related questions, you can always hit me up on my Instagram, kellygreen13. Thanks for listening. And I hope you guys have a really great March. I'm looking forward to spring coming. We'll see what that brings. And uh, it's definitely bringing a lot of really great transfers that I'm really excited to, to hear about and to see. So stay biased.